the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Blame it on Donald Trump. Yeah, maybe you've heard about the hurricane that's on its way to the coast of the Carolinas that may wipe out everything in its path. Uh, it's on its way if it hasn't landed already. I haven't checked in the last hour, but it's it's on its way. Uh, the name is Florence, and people have been evacuating for a while now. And they're saying this could be one of the worst ever. And maybe you think it's just an act of nature, but it's not. It's Donald Trump's fault. That's right. President of the United States, who's been in office for, what, uh, less than two years, uh, 19 months, whatever it is, 20 months, and uh, it's his fault, president's fault. At least it is according to the editorial board of the Washington Post. Here's what they wrote yesterday. Quote, if the Category 4 hurricane does indeed hit the Carolinas this week, it will be the strongest storm on record to land so far north. President Trump issued several warnings on his Twitter feed on Monday, and that was good advice. And then they went on to write, yet when it comes to extreme weather, Mr. Trump is complicit. They say he plays down humans' role in climate change, and he keeps doing things to prevent humans from preventing these kinds of disasters. Uh, so I don't know what he's done to prevent you from preventing it. I'm, I don't know what he's done to prevent me either, but he's doing something. But that's what the Washington Post says. He keeps doing things to prevent humans from, from, from preventing these kinds of disasters. And here's another quote. It is hard to attribute any single weather event to climate change, but there is no reasonable doubt that humans are priming the Earth's systems to produce disaster. Now, uh, that's quote, unquote. Now, there, there may not be any reasonable doubt in the up there or down there in the halls of the Washington Post or maybe at the cocktail parties where they hang out with the people on the editorial board. But there's plenty of doubt out there about how much humans can affect the weather. All you got to do is look for it. And some of the people are really smart. You know, they're like scientists, astrophysicists. I've talked to them on the radio, and they'll tell you that this is all BS. But, you know, it's all about humans, you know, well, there's just all kinds of doubt out there about how much we can affect the weather and, and what we can do about it. And it's a great topic for a future show, and we will do that soon. But uh, the sky is falling, crowd. is going to tell you that it's your fault that the ocean waters are so warm now, and that's what's causing these mega hurricanes. <clears throat> now, the only problem is these are the same people. Maybe you remember this. So th these are the same people who told you 10 or 12 years ago that if you didn't start leaving your car at home and taking the bus, we were going to see more hurricanes than we've ever seen before. You know what that was followed by? About 10 years of no hurricanes. None. And when the sky is falling, crowd was asked why we had the longest period in history without any hurricanes in our part of the world. You know what their answer was? Luck. That's what they said. Ah, it's just luck. They said a 10-year absence of hurricanes is only likely to come around every 300 years. So I guess that means that back in the early 1700s, there might have been a 10-year break. Who knows? But then they don't know because they didn't start keeping records until 1850. So when the Washington Post says that Florence, if it does arrive in the Carolinas as a Category 4, it'll be the biggest one ever to reach this far north, maybe they should say this far north since 1850 because, you know, Maybe there was one that came up this far and say, 1818, when they weren't keeping track. And when the hurricanes start coming at this time of year, it's a really good time for us to think about our winters here, by the way. Um, it's a good time to remind your friends who have moved south or out west of Arizona, and they're always making fun of you in January because you're looking at freezing rain or maybe shoveling snow and looking at, you know, the last 20 days of temperatures below freezing, and they're somewhere sitting by a, full, a pool sending you selfies. Well, there's a word we don't hear too much up here. Here's what you tell them the next time. 
well, that you hear from them in the wintertime. Here's a word we don't hear a whole lot up here. Evacuate, okay? I can't imagine how annoying it would be to have to spend months recovering from a hurricane and then having to prepare for another one. We have a winter, we get through it, another one comes, but it's it's just not, the, you don't think that your, your roof is going to be gone every September. I don't know how they do it. Got to feel bad for the people down there in the Carolinas right now. They're evacuating. They don't know if their homes are going to be there when they get back. It's awful tough. But it might be a little bit of a stretch to blame it on Donald Trump right now. When we come back, we'll talk about what the federal government has done with hurricanes in the past and maybe what it shouldn't have done. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? Well, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-friendly, stable, and worthy. Free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too? With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724-884-1496 or visit them at MarleyFG.com. We get many people that have not gotten well with traditional medicine. At the medicine shop in Oakmont and Penn Hills, good health is often a gut level decision. About 70 to 85 percent of your immune systems in the gut. As a child, your thymus gland is actually your immune system, and babies are born with hardly any flora or minimal amounts. And through exposure to dirt, things they suck on, their mom's antibodies they get from breast milk gradually just builds up over time. Always start with the gut. When you have somebody has an illness, the normal bacterial balance that's supposed to be there is typically not there. They could have yeast overgrowth, parasites. They could have just an imbalance of bacteria. And many times that's just evaluated by history or we can do further testing that they can do at home. We look at a systems-based approach. So you have your immune system, your GI, hormones, energy, cardiometabolic, and all those systems work together. Call for a consultation today. The Medicine Shop, 888-865-9595. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. On September 17, 1787, Congress signed the U.S. Constitution, which defined our government and guaranteed our rights. Each September, we celebrate Constitution Day. And though the framers never imagined the cell phone, they did ensure your right to free speech and self-determination, which is exactly what Patriot Mobile is all about. Patriot Mobile celebrates the founding fathers and your values and is the only cell phone carrier that supports conservative causes while also providing you the same nationwide reliable service with unlimited talk and text for less money and no hidden fees. So in honor of that day in 1787, Patriot Mobile is offering all data plans for 1787 for your first month of service. Make the switch today. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call 1-800-APATRIOT. Get unlimited talk, text, and data for 1787 for your first month. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call 1-800-APATRIOT. Let's celebrate Constitution Day and support our rights one call at a time. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So there are people in the media blaming Donald Trump for Hurricane Florence, even though, uh, as far as I know, it hasn't made uh, ground yet and uh, hasn't done any real damage yet. 
Uh, he's also being blamed for 3,000 people dying in hurricanes in, as a result of hurricanes in Puerto Rico last year. Uh, the federal government has a long period, uh, a long record of uh, wasting time and money, and it happens in cleanups after hurricanes, too. It's been going on for a long time, and it was happening long before Donald Trump showed up. Justin Bogey is a senior policy analyst in fiscal affairs at the Heritage Foundation. He joins us now. Justin, thanks for being here. Hey, John. Thanks for having me today. So uh, is is there a recurring theme when it comes to the federal government and disasters like hurricanes and like the one that's about to hit the Carolinas? Well, yeah. You know, unfortunately, I think there's been a theme that we have uh, wasted a lot of money in the response to these hurricanes. And, you know, I heard, I heard your opening and then. Obviously, any time that the 3,000 lives are lost, that's something that should be concerning, and, and there's lessons to be learned. But I don't think you can place the blame on, on one person for that. It it really uh, you know starts all the way from the local officials all the way up to the top, so that's something we should reevaluate. Uh, but, yeah, we've had uh, hurricane after hurricane where we've put, put forth these billions and tens of billions of dollars in, in recovery funds, and a lot of that money never really goes to help who it's intended to help, and uh, it, it just leads to a lot of the waste. Uh, I, I just have a story here, and I know uh, that this is not uh, your necessarily your area of expertise about what happened in Puerto Rico, but just what you said there about the stuff is sent, uh, money is spent uh, on things that are supposed to result in people being helped, and the money ends up being wasted. There's a massive stockpile of bottled water in Puerto Rico uh, a year after Hurricane Maria uh, it says, although you don't believe it, almost a million boxes of water that were never delivered to the villages, says Abdiel Santana, a photographer working for a Puerto Rican state police agency who took the pictures. He says, is there anyone who can explain this? I don't expect you to be able to explain it, but it's money that, I mean, there's an example right there. I don't know whose fault it is, but somebody spent a lot of money on a million boxes of water and people down there couldn't drink the water, by the way. I couldn't drink their own water. They had to drink bottled water, and it's still sitting there. So there's an example, right? Yeah, and I think this is really a bigger issue. A lot of times when we have these storms, there's this political will that we have to do something immediately. We have to uh, basically pass these free-for-all spending packages where there's tens of billions of dollars going out the door. And, and a lot of times it's just kind of an effort to respond. We have to do something now rather than really examining what are the needs of the people, how is this money best going to be used in the short term, um, you know, it's just we, we have this, this demand to, to do something, and, and, and that process, a lot of the money gets wasted. Uh, yeah. and, and the last, and well, just for last year's storms, for example, um, this, this money falls under the categorization of emergency or disaster money. So you would think that means this is money we need now. Uh, this is money that needs to go out the door today, basically, or in the very short term over over a year or two. Uh, almost half of that money that was appropriated last year for disaster relief was in the form of grants. You know, a lot of these grant programs, they take uh, several years to apply and get approved, and, and a lot of that's left to bureaucrats. So to say that that's really meeting an immediate need is, is hard to believe. Well, so how are the immediate needs met? I mean... Uh, somebody up in Washington is, is writing a check and say, okay, how much do you need down there in Puerto Rico or in the Carolinas? And, you know, how much you need? And I'll just write it out for you. Well, typically uh, this, this happens. Well, there's there's a, some base funding available. For this. FEMA has a disaster recovery fund. And that's the type of money that's supposed to be used for these uh, uh, disaster response efforts. Uh, unfortunately, the FEMA disaster relief fund has been woefully underfunded for for years. They they only receive less, a little less than a billion dollars annually in their base budget, and so every year we see Congress coming back. Even even when there's not a big hurricane or, or some other natural disaster, um, the last five years they've come back and gotten about an extra eight billion dollars every year. That's not subject to any kind of budget caps. It's not really restricted money, and and then when you have a, a hurricane like this. It's just compounded. So, so yes, yeah, so in the short term, you know, assuming this is bad, which we hope it's not, um, Congress and the president will submit, or the president will submit a uh, disaster or emergency funding request to Congress. Um, if, if last year is any judge, they'll add on a lot of extra things to that that really uh, plots out of FEMA's uh, jurisdiction, and that's how the money will actually flow down to to the Carolinas if, if it's necessary. So, uh, how much? How much um, blame is a president even uh, is it is it how much blame can you give the president no matter how bad it gets I mean how much control does he have over this and it, it, it happens 
relatively quickly. You see the storm coming, and they can, you know, there's some certain amount of preparation you would hope that they would have just because of where they are located on the planet. But yeah. but uh, how much, I mean, they, you know, Donald Trump's taking all the heat for Puerto Rico. He's going to take heat after this, I'm sure. Whatever happens in the Carolinas, it won't yeah. be enough that he does. But what can a president do? And there must be some limitations on, you know, how well, much he can yeah. affect it. I think it's inevitable uh, when when you have a large scale disaster like we saw in Puerto Rico, or, or you know, God forbid, that's what happens in the Carolinas. That you know, the buck kind of stops with the president. So people are looking to him for leadership. Um, but in terms of what's going on right now, the the president can go ahead and, and make some money available and and that kind of stuff. But a lot of it's really left to the people on the ground. You know, FEMA is the expert on this. Uh, they, that's their job to respond to disasters. So. Uh, they should already be down there getting ready for it, which I, I assume they are. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of inevitable that the president will probably see some of the blame for this. Of course, Puerto Rico is a much different situation. You're talking about an island where it's a lot harder to get people on and off. You know, that certainly doesn't justify 3,000 people losing their lives as a result of the hurricane. Um, but it, it is much easier for people to get out of the path of this storm if they, if they so choose to. And if, if they don't, then there's some personal accountability there, too. Now, of course... Um you know the 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 federal government and I guess state governments are involved too and local governments, but but government gives money to the people to rebuild, uh, and they rebuild in areas where another hurricane is very well could very well hit next year if not next month. And so, yeah, that's, is that a good thing? I mean, it seems like really doing it. My, my my house, well, not my house. I just say my business was was blown away by Hurricane Florence. Let's build another one there, and then have it happen again next year. And and you pay for it. Let up, let the taxpayers pay for it. No, you're you're exactly right. And and really, the the best example of that is the National Flood Insurance Program. Uh, this is a program. But before the last time we built it out, it was already twenty five billion dollars in debt. Um, as a result of the hurricanes last year, we we reauthorized that program. We've given it loan forgiveness. Um, but, but the National Flood Insurance Program is is inherently flawed because um, it gives money back to these people to rebuild in the same places. It, it doesn't give them money to make their structure stronger, or or you know, there's no incentive to move their business outside of floodplains or these hurricane-prone areas. And so we're kind of on this cycle where where we're not really fixing the problem. We're just kind of rebuilding and hoping it doesn't happen again which you know unfortunately uh eventually it's likely to happen again and this has um obviously changed in the last i don't know put a uh, number on it say 60 or 70 years uh, going back to uh, you know when when before there was air conditioning tampa florida um was the size of youngstown ohio it was a little town and in the summertime right. people would get the hell out of there because it was too hot and they wanted to go somewhere where it's cool. Well, then air conditioning came around, and now there are 3 million people living in that area instead of 150,000. And um, when a hurricane comes, it affects all these people who have to get on the highway and get out of town. And, and, all, and then the amount of damage obviously goes up because there's so many more buildings and businesses and everything else that comes with that many people living there. Right, you're you're exactly right. Certainly, the, the demographic and, and population changes with some of these coastal areas has has meant that the risk from these uh, large scale storms is, is much greater, and it's becoming more and more expensive for the uh, federal government to, to do that. And you know, part of part of the problem is that the federal government has so much responsibility for the response effort. And right now, FEMA, I think, in a disaster declaration, covers about seventy five percent of the cost, where the state and local match is only about twenty five percent. And you know, certainly we should do whatever we can in those immediate days of, of impact around the storm to, to save people's lives and help them get back on their feet. Um, but, but it's also something we should look at is, is really how much of the share of this, uh, these costs should the federal government be um, assuming when it, it affects a relatively limited number of Americans. Yeah, so people in Pittsburgh are going to be paying for the people who decide, made the choice to live on the coast of Carolina or the coast of Florida. Exactly. That's that's what ends up happening. So, you know, again, just like the National Flood Insurance Program, I think there's some broader reforms we need to look at. You know, what what should the cost share really be for FEMA? Um, is that something that we should be thinking of tweaking as we, as we think of more comprehensive disaster reform? You know, right now the the way that we're budgeting for disasters is basically non-existent. We just we don't we we're not putting away any money to to save up for these events. Um, we're just basically throwing money at the problem when it happens, and then. 
like I said earlier, hoping that it doesn't happen again, but not really addressing preparedness or, um, you know, trying trying to change some of the circumstances that, that cause so much damage, uh, uh, so much cost to, to pile up from damages. We're talking to Justin Bogey. He's a senior policy analyst in fiscal affairs at the Heritage Foundation. So, I mean, what I think about is is if the if the government is going to spend all this money and help people out, which, you know, nobody's going to begrudge anybody from being rescued by the government when something like this happens, except that if you think about the, the government is spending the money, wouldn't it make more sense for the government to say, listen, uh, we're really sorry that you're your business or your home got destroyed or that the road's destroyed and you can't get out and we have to pay for you to do this or that. We have to get food to you. But here's some money. How about building a house inland so that we don't have to do this again? Instead of here's some money, build something on the exact same spot and we'll see you next September. Yeah, I think that's absolutely reasonable. Um, all, all of these government grant programs for rebuilding uh, really need more conditions to encourage people to either strengthen their homes, their structures, uh, so that they're less susceptible the next time this comes around, or to even better yet, move out of these you know, super uh, high-prone areas where, you know, it's not really a matter of when this will happen again. I mean, if this will happen again, but when it will happen again. Um, so that's definitely something we should look at. Uh, but we should also really think about how we're, how we're spending this money. Again, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of this money last year went out for grants that aren't really helping anyone immediately. Um, back in... Uh, during Superstorm Sandy, uh, we we had another one of these big packages that sent billions of dollars to uh, New Jersey and other areas affected by that storm. Some of that money is still on spent. So if you're sending this money out under the guise of its emergency or disaster response and it's still sitting there five or six years later, how can you really say that that was you know, emergency, an emergency situation that had to go off the door immediately? So you know, I think a better approach would be to, to kind of slow down with the to set more uh, strict time limits on, on when this money has to be used, maybe move to, it all has to be used within a year or two, and then we'll reevaluate if there's still needs that are ongoing. So it's a it's a grant in the same way that uh, a township gets a grant for a nice bandstand in a park. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and there's no guarantee what that money is going to. You're basically leaving those decisions up to the Department of Housing and Urban Development or the Small Business Administration uh, to... to file through all these applications and decide what they deem to be the most deserving, you know, using whatever criteria they use. And again, is, is that really helping respond to the immediate needs of these communities? And, and I think that's certainly a valid question. And you talk, uh, this is what you said in a piece that you wrote earlier, the funds must be necessary, sudden, urgent, unforeseen, and not permanent. How often does, are those criteria met? Uh, in recent years, you know, not not very often. That was uh, something that was put forth under the first Bush administration, I believe. Um, and this is just this problem has just continued to grow. You know, back under the Reagan administration, disaster emergency declarations were relatively rare, happened maybe thirty, forty times a year, and now they're happening happening, you know, literally one hundred and fifty, two hundred times a year. So uh, it, it's become much easier to. Uh, get that uh to ask for assistance under under this disaster designation and, and to get funds flowing uh when in, and really these are you know not predictable but you know we do have wildfires every year we do have seasonal flooding in the midwest every year um these are things that the federal government or really even better yet the state and local government should be budgeting for within their normal budget Justin, uh, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, cleared up some of the stupidity that's going to go on as soon as the hurricane hits hits land. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Justin Bogey of the Heritage Foundation. When we come back, we got some amazing stats on what's happening on your favorite college campus and how many Republicans and Democrats are on the faculty. You'll be stunned by the numbers. We'll do that when we come back. Stay where you are. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Officials say this is the last good day to get out of the way of Hurricane Florence. The Category 3 storm continues to aim towards the Carolinas and part of southern Virginia. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper says there's still time for people in evacuation zones to get out safely. For those not under an evacuation order, finish your preparations today if you haven't already. Move to safety if your home is at risk. Bring in supplies if it's not. 
planned to be without power for days. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina Mayor Will Haney says people shouldn't hesitate to evacuate due to concerns about their houses. You can replace your property, we cannot replace you, and we do not want to lose any of our citizens. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster says more than 300,000 people have already been evacuated from that state's coast ahead of Hurricane Florence. This is SRN News. You know, I'm not a genius about money. I love my credit cards, and they love me. I was using them as a source of income, and then I got behind in my payments, and creditors were calling. I figured I had a problem, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I heard about Trinity, so I called and talked to a counselor. In half an hour, we worked out a plan. Now I've got one easy monthly payment, a lower interest rate, and I'm getting out of debt. If you're in an endless cycle of paying on credit card balances that never seem to go away, then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity will consolidate your accounts, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Call 1-800-990-6976. Larry Elder says the Democrats are full of ideas. The caller was talking about Democrats not having any ideas. they got plenty of ideas. And when they advance an idea, you have to ask yourself three simple things. How much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay? And will it, in fact, work? And usually the whole idea falls apart under that uh, very simple analysis. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7, right before Joe Walsh at 9, on AM 1250. The Answer. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's a beautiful country out there. Discover it all in a new RV from Camping World, America's number one RV dealer. At your local Camping World, you'll find over 350 new RVs in stock, an ever-changing selection from America's top brands, including favorites like Coleman and Mallard of every class and size, all at wholesale prices. Say hello to a whole new world. Visit CampingWorldOfPittsburgh.com. Do you dream of owning your own home? Dollar Bank's Free Mortgages for Men workshop can show you how to break the rent cycle. You'll learn the right way to home ownership with a plan to strengthen your savings and create less debt. You can even get help with restoring bad credit. Join Harold Hayes of Dollar Bank at the Free Mortgages for Men home buying workshop. Saturday, September 22nd at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Childcare will be available. To register, call 1-800-345-3655 today. Dollar Bank, Equal Housing Lender. The Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber invites you to a taste of cranberry. Monday, September 24th, over 20 of your favorite local eateries and chains converge on the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry with unlimited samples from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy great food, entertainment, kids' zone, and prizes. Tickets are available now at pghnorthchamber.com. Don't miss a taste of cranberry Monday, September 24th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry. Visit pghnorthchamber.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Seeing those delays continuing on the Parkway East outbound Forbes Avenue out to Edgewood Swiss Vale. Plenty of volume on the rest of the Parkway East, Parkway West, heavy inbound Parkway Center Drive to the Fort Pitt Bridge. And we're also seeing volume picking up outbound 28 Veterans Bridge to 40th Street and Route 8 to the Highland Park Bridge. Delays as well outbound on 65 from 19 to the McKees Rocks Bridge. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Partly to mostly cloudy tonight, it will be warm with patchy fog developing low 67. Tomorrow, patchy morning fog, otherwise mostly cloudy, warm and humid, a passing shower or two high 82. Warm and humid tomorrow night, some clouds, low 69. Friday, mostly cloudy, warm and humid, a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon and a high temperature of 82. I'm meteorologist Bill Skladankis on AM 1250, The Answer. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. 
Well, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know we like to talk a lot about education, uh, especially what's happening on college campuses. If you have someone uh, or know someone who's ready to go to college, I have some numbers that you should really know about, and I checked them out today, and I wanted to get right to it with Peter Wood of the National Association of Scholars, who's with us right now. Peter, thanks for being here. Great to have Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think uh, anybody doubts that the disparity between liberal and non-liberal teachers and administrators in college exists, but how bad is it? It's worse than people might think it is. This is not a question of uh, uh, colleges having a small minority of Republicans or conservatives uh, opposed by a large majority of Democrats or liberals. In many cases, it's colleges that have no Republicans or no conservatives. And uh, this is, uh, I'd say, rightly shocking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I looked at the, the story that I looked at and the graph and the, and the stats that you have. It's, it's completely stunning. Uh, even though I knew that it existed, I just didn't know to the extent that it existed. Has it, has it always been this way? No, of course not. Uh, there was a time not so long ago where uh, liberals may have outnumbered conservatives, but conservatives were some kind of presence on campus, and students enrolling in colleges could expect to find at least a certain amount of intellectual diversity. Uh, that's just no longer the case at many colleges. There are more conservatives than liberals out here in America. Uh, after four years of college, how would most young people be able to grasp that after spending four years on a college campus? I think they would find themselves uh, disconcerted, maybe baffled, certainly not very well prepared to deal with the actual diversity of opinions to be found in the workplace and in daily life. Uh, the response of many recent graduates seems to be to be uh, resentment and uh, a kind of uh, distaste for their own country that has been carefully inculcated into them by professors who have uh, portrayed the mass of American people as uh, ignorant and stupid. And now their prejudice is confirmed when they discover that most Americans don't share their disdain for their own country. As so they consider that the part of their stupidity, not not having disdain for the country. That's amazing. Um, there's a graph on the NAS site that's pretty amazing too. It shows the uh, the number of Republicans to the, the ratio of uh, Republicans to Democrats in liberal arts colleges. Now, my favorite um, number in there is in the communications department because I'm a telecommunication former telecommunication telecommunications major, and uh, of the colleges you surveyed. The Democrats won that department 108 to nothing. Now, I figure that should be creating lots of good workers for MSNBC. <laughs> yes, that's, that appears to be the case. Uh, if you wonder why the American mainstream media skews so far to the left, it's because mostly they hire people from colleges of communication where those students will have encountered zero conservatives, zero Republicans during four years of study. Or if they've encountered them, it's been uh, working a summer job or something like that, but it's certainly not been on their faculty. Now, um, the, the that 108 to nothing uh, score, who does that uh, represent? Which schools? I mean, how, how many schools? Uh, we studied uh, a the top... 50 or so uh, colleges listed in U.S. News and World Report's uh, list of top liberal arts colleges. So uh, overall, we surveyed 5,197 faculty members, and uh, we were uh, looking at academic departments. That chart shows a whole bunch of them, with communications being the one that is most skewed. But uh, this was a... a by statistical standards, a very wide sample and very rigorously conducted. We're talking to Peter Wood. He's the president of the National Association of Scholars. Uh, and I, um, in, in which department, then, are you most likely to find the closest thing to some kind of a balance between conservatives, liberals, Republicans, Democrats? The closest would be in engineering, uh, where Republicans are still outnumbered, uh, 1.6 to 1, but um, uh, being outnumbered by only one and a half people for every one Republican is as close as you can get to a 
a ballot department in the United States. Wow. And I'm, I'm looking at the graph here. I have it in front of me. Um, political science is 8 to 2, which I, I, I think that's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. But when you get the further you go down and you get into uh, things like environmental, geoscience, uh, theater, music, sociology, 43 to 8 is the ratio. 43.8 to, to uh, 1 is the ratio. English is 48.3. Religion is 70 uh, to 1. And anthropology is 56 to nothing. Right. Anthropology, by the way, is my field. And. Uh if I were still teaching in it, it might be 56 to 1. But, uh, <laughs> if you could find a job. I mean, do, do they ask you your, your political affiliation when they hire you? Otherwise, how do they find – I mean, how could you possibly have a 56 to nothing score if you didn't go out of your way to hire nothing but de- Democrats? Well, you don't actually have to ask the question, which political party are you registered in, right. if any. Um, you can ask other kinds of questions that are pretty close to being diagnostics. In, in anthropology, you might ask somebody about uh, the person's view of uh, uh, multiculturalism or uh, cultural relativity. There'd be code words that would pretty quickly clue you in as to whether the individual is uh, on board with the agenda of the Democratic Party. Um, many of those would be people who probably aren't members of the Democratic Party because they are members of some splinter party of the far left, and mm-hmm. the Democrats would view them as, uh, uh, I mean, the, they would view the Democrats as... Too conservative, pushy. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, if here's what I don't get, uh, Peter. I, if if I'm a Republican or a conservative parent, and I have a 17 or 18 year old kid, and he's a, he or she's a senior in high school right now, and I'm thinking about sending him to a college, I what percent? As long as we're talking about percentages here, what percentage of parents would be aware of this list I just rattled off here, and the one that I have in front of me here with what the disparity is? Oh, I think that the public knowledge of this is. Uh very superficial. Uh, parents will assume that, yes, most college faculty members are liberal. Uh, they will also think things like that my child is an exception. She is uh, much more sensible about these matters, or he he knows how to avoid the uh, the bad professors. People rationalize and make excuses, and especially if they uh, go off attending an expensive institution, they want to be sure that their money is well spent, and human psychology is such that they will trick themselves into believing that that, that all is well uh, and accept at face value the assurances of the colleges that, oh, yes, we're fair-minded, we don't do any of that crazy political correct stuff. And uh, I, I just think that, generally speaking, the public is tuned out on this. There's a, a vague understanding that there's a disparity, but no real grasp of how profound that disparity is and how uh, entrenched the decision of colleges and universities today are in trying to persuade students that the uh, whole American experiment is in some deep way corrupt and that the answer is resistance or revolution or at the very least uh, uh, distancing oneself from any form of traditional American values, patriotism, family, that sort of thing. Wow. So this disparity, I mean, this bias is not just something that's a little bit annoying that you, you know, when you graduate or you get away from the campus, you just kind of shrug it off. This is a, a concerted effort in in uh, indoctrination? Um, I use the word indoctrination carefully, but I think it, it's more accurate than not. Um, there are plenty of faculty members who certainly don't see themselves as, themselves as engaged in indoctrination. They just see themselves as uh, truth-tellers or as uh, more concerned with uh, uh, teaching the material in their own field and aren't especially conscious of their uh, their biases. My rough estimates of this are there are about 20 to 25 percent of faculty members 
who are full-on propagandists of the uh, shibboleths of the left. And they are uh, uninhibited about teaching their political views. They regard that as a righteous thing to do. They are saving students from becoming uh, mired in um, the American bourgeois mentality, and their mission is to uh, disrupt whatever values the students come to college with and replace those with a new set of values. I'll say that's a quarter of faculty members. The other 75% are mostly captives of that. They, they don't really believe that their mission is to propagandize, but they also don't want to risk their own necks by getting in the way of those who are doing the propagandizing. It's a dangerous thing to do. Even the mildest form of a resistance to this gets you labeled as a, as a racist, a bigot, or something terrible, and that can derail your career and so forth. So they become compliant. The radical minority really sways the apathetic majority. Um, to the extent that the uh, majority has a political preference, they are kind of passive uh, people of the liberal left. Uh, they believe that uh, diversity and multiculturalism and racial preferences and group grievances are more justified than not, and that uh, agenda items like promoting, say, gay marriage and gun control and uh, sort of the the hot-button issues of the cultural left uh, are generally good, so why get in the way of them? I can go on and teach my course in chemistry or biology or even engineering without uh, complicating my life by uh, getting in the way of the political propaganda that is all around me. And universities have lots of ways besides faculty members to purvey this stuff. Uh, these days, more than half the professional employees of universities aren't faculty members at all. They're administrators of various sorts, deans and deanlets of multiculturalism, diversity, various group, ethnic groups, each of which now has their own organization within the university or college. Um, and they, too, are dedicated full-time to politicizing the curriculum. So the students, when they arrive on campus, are surrounded with this stuff, not only in class, but outside class. It's structured into their lives for four years. There's no way they're going to miss it. Um, if they are in that uh, large cohort of students whose parents believe my, my son or daughter is too smart to get caught up in that, I'm afraid that that excuse just falls apart, because even if you want to stand outside it, you can't. Uh, you're surrounded by people who want to do their trigger warnings, their uh, aggressive attacks on what they consider to be microaggressions, their oh, various searches for uh, imaginary thought crimes for which the students can be punished. So hold your opinions to yourself. Outwardly, you're conforming to the doctrines of the left. Those become habits. By the time you graduate, you're primed to think, Every time you open your mouth, am I committing a microaggression? Um, is my opinion on this racist? So your your mind has been colonized by the left by the time you graduate from college. It's hard to think of examples where that isn't to some extent true. I have and, about 30 seconds left here, Peter. Uh, is there a school for Republican parents to send their kids to where they might actually be taught by a Republican? Um Sure, there are a handful of schools. Uh, Grove City College, not far from right Pittsburgh, up the road, yeah. uh, right up the road. Uh, Hillsdale College in Michigan. Um, there are a handful of uh, Catholic and other uh, sectarian Protestant schools around the country where the odds are better. Uh, you have to be careful wherever you go that uh, this this uh, this ailment has widely spread, but. Uh, if a parent is really serious about avoiding this stuff, yes, there are options. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for being here. And I can go on and on, but I'm out of time. And uh suggest everybody checks out your uh, website at the uh, – AL. what am I calling it here? The uh, National, National Association, Association of Scholars. I'm sorry, NAS. I was looking for the abbreviation. National Association of Scholars. And a lot of amazing stuff there. Uh, this, the, this, this, the statistics are just unbelievable. Thanks a lot, Peter. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, that's Peter Wood, president of the National Association 
of scholars, and I hope that you were not uh, in, uh, feeling like I was committing a microaggression by telling one thing I loved about working with him, we got to pray with our patients, and I could do that without feeling like I was going to get in trouble. At the medicine shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb continues the legacy of pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMatteo. And many people, you cannot cure them or make them truly get well if they have something down deep that they haven't ever addressed. Stress affects your whole body. Like when I get stressed, I have between my shoulder blades, my muscles get tight. Some people, it's GI. Some people, it can be a rash. Some people, their immune system system is down. So we address that too. But you have to address the root causing that stress for them to truly heal. One of the things I'm very humbled by is that many of the people that Joe and I saw together, they're still coming to see me. And I just really appreciate that. And I'm going to try to have the same empathy and love and caring that he had. I just love it. It's my dream job. It's what I've always wanted to do. Every day is different because not everybody's the same. Call for a consultation today. 888-865-9595. Marley Financial has done it again. These guys are just fantastic. Many of you know or have worked with our friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial. You also know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation. Typical savings of up to 40%. Small, medium, and even large groups, Marley has got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital, Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, or even Johns Hopkins. Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors, without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. Call Marley Financial now at 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496. And find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. How much do you spend on your pest control each year? 200 300 or even $500 or more? What if I said you could spend less than $25 a year, even less with promo code RADIO20? Then listen up. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, and yes, it is possible to read your home or business of unwanted pests for less than $25 per year. The answer is Plug-In Pest Free. Our best seller, the Plug-In Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair dinkum. For just a one-time cost of only $249, even less with promo code RADIO20, you'll be pest-free for years to come. Log on to gopestfree.com today. Use promo code RADIO20 and start driving those pests away. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code RADIO20. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Nah, you don't need no education. And, and if you want an education, <laughs> uh, Peter uh, uh, Wood, who was just on uh, from the National Association of Scholars, if you missed it, these stats are unbelievable. I, I, real quick, I just I, I checked these out during the break. And uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, a graduate of Wellesley. That's an all-female school. It's all women unless you are a transgender uh, you can be, uh, you can be physically a man, but if you identify as a woman, they'll let you in. But if you're actually a man, and admit to being a man, they don't want any part of you. You can't get in there. But Wellesley, the 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 ratio of Democrats to Republicans there, one thirty six to one. See, 
Aaron, your job for tomorrow, I want you to get the re- one Republican at Wellesley, and I want, I'm want uh, her, I'm guessing, on the show. <laughs> See if we can get her. Oh, man. So here's, uh, here's another little item from your college is uh, Marquette. Uh, Catholic school up there in, is it Michigan, I think, or Wisconsin? I forget. All right, anyway, Marquette um, a Forum calls university seal a microaggression. During a recent forum at Marquette University, students and faculty members enthusiastically agreed that the university seals a microaggression because it depicts a white explorer being guided by a Native American. According to the one professor at the forum, the seal shows how Marquette's namesake, French explorer Father Jacques Marquette, quote, took advantage of an economic disparity to have a Native American as his guide. This is, when was he up there, 16-something? or I don't even know when. It's a long time ago. And the picture shows a priest, and he's, he's standing by a canoe with an Indian paddling it, and he's getting ready to go out into the wilderness. And uh, he's got a Native American as his guide. That's what happened. That's that's how they. That's how the 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 university came to exist. I don't know what the. I, what are you supposed to do? It's that's what the, it was. That's what the world was back then. So this was uh, this was part of the Marquette University Intercultural Center, which is funded through a combination of tuition and student activity fees. Hosted the event. How'd you like to go to this event, guys? Men to men, responding to microaggressions and why they matter. Let me tell you about microaggressions and men. It used to be if somebody microaggressed you, you microaggressed them back. If they macroaggressed you, you punched them in the mouth. It was much better back then. Now it's microaggressions. It's the feminization of the American male continuing. And it's never going to end, I don't think. At least before I die. I'll see you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.